jump in motocross news. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the GateDrop.com podcast. I'm Jonathan McCready. With me as usual is Andy McKinstry and this weekend we're going to look at Unadilla, some good racing in the American races, a wee bit of ball in the Belgian Nationals and of course Landrek for the MX Nationals, so Harry Kulas be crowned the MX1 champion. But we'll start with America and Ken Roxon. What a ride for Ken Roxon. This was the kind of usual Ken Roxon probably pre-injury and maybe the first few rounds of the Supercross season this year. He was absolutely fantastic, really, really smooth, a very difficult, very, very rutted track that everyone seemed to have a problem with except Ken Roxon. He was pretty much mistake-free. He made it look really, really easy, very soft on the bike, very good lines and carrying an awful lot of momentum. He made it look really easy and he, he needed that win to gain eight points on Dylan Ferrandis. And whenever you have championship leader, Dylan Ferrandis, after the first moto, says he's racing for second place today. You know, Ken Rocks is putting on a, a pretty impressive display of riding. Andy, what did you think of, of the German rider? Yeah, it was very, very good. Uh, perhaps not that surprising. Very technical track, a lot of ruts, kind of like a German track. So a uh, German hard pack track. So Ken probably would have grew up riding tracks like that. And you know, it's at the stage in the season where he if, if he's to have any hope of this championship, he has to go one one. So he has to just go out and send it. Whereas Dylan Ferrandes can, you know, if he gets top three in every moto that's left, you know, he's gonna be champion. So even though Roxham was phenomenal in the conditions, you know, for Dylan Ferrandes to finish second overall and still have a thirty nine points gap. I think he'll be more than happy with that. And for him, it's just about managing the championship now. The track itself had an awful lot of ruts, which is probably why, as you say, Ken did well. He even mentioned that he is the track he would have rode a lot on in, in Germany when, when he was living there. Developed quite a lot of ruts like that, and that's maybe why he's so good in those conditions. But Ferrandis couldn't do much. And I think the track didn't really allow for a lot of passing just because there was so many ruts. I think riders were busy trying to make sure they, they picked the right rut instead of being cross rut and going down. Passing seemed to be a bit of a problem, even if a rider came up on a guy that he'd been catching. Passing seemed to be another hurdle that a lot of them couldn't really get around. Roxham was the only one that was able to really make passes, especially the start of that second moto. Aaron Plessinger, we have to give a mention to him. He was absolutely flying. He's a really loose language style on the bike, and Unadilla seemed to really suit him. He qualified well as well, so you kind of knew he was feeling good that day, but that was kind of a loop out, but he kind of went airborne as well and sort of semi-backflip stroke round Villapoto loop out, and it looked pretty painful, and it ruined a great great race. It looked it was going to come down to the wire in that first moto. He's out. He was out for the day, bruised lung and I think liver he said so hopefully he can be back for, for Bud's Creek but not, not a good way to end what was a great day of riding for Aaron Plessner it's a real shame for him a couple of times now he's looked like things are going to really go his way and maybe challenge for a moto win and he had that DNF the mechanical and then that, that loop out there and heavy 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 landing definitely a highlight really crashed that one and that allowed Dylan to, to get into second and the second race he took a third pretty smart riding by the Frenchman Clearly, as we mentioned, he knew already that he didn't have the pace to go with Roxley. He wasn't going to risk anything, which is what you have to do in a championship battle, especially when you have your points lead and you don't have to have to take those risks. Second overall for him. And another European and Frenchman, Marvin Musk, third. Marvin's really rebounded 
I think the last couple of couple of AMA races, he's in the French Nations team as well. So he has something exciting to look forward to at the end of September, and he's really starting to hit form finally in this outdoor season, which is great to see. The track technical would suit him as well. A lot of the GPs used to be pretty much ruts at times and like a Teutschental, and they still are in certain tracks. So the three XGP riders going one, two, and three, probably not much of a surprise whenever you see how the track was turned out after the the overnight rain on, on Friday night coming into Saturday. So Marvin Musklin definitely hitting form. He's up to third overall there on the day. And nice to see him because he struggled for a while and you were wondering what, what was going to, how that was going to roll into next year. But he found some form. Great to see for him. And he actually made made some pretty good moves not the greatest of starts all the time, and he was one of the few that was able to try and make some passes. Yeah, well, uh, as you said there, just looking at the track and seeing the t- the technicality needed and good throttle control and uh, picking the right rut, um, it's not surprising at all to see three former GP riders on the podium because they excel at those kind of conditions, so not a surprise at all. It was nice to see Marvin Musquin actually back on a podium, you know, Let's be honest, Musquin's not having a good outdoor season at all. A guy like him with the talent he has shouldn't be seventh in the championship. So it was nice to see him in the podium and hopefully he can maintain this kind of riding for the rest of the Nationals and go into motocross the nations with a wee bit of form. I'm not sure how he'll adapt to the, the sand of Mantafa, um, but hopefully he can go in there feeling confident at least and it'll be nice for him to see some of his old GP friends again. Yeah, and Mantova too, he's he's ridden there as well. The French team, while we're talking about Marvin Musquin, no Maxime Renault, which is a bit disappointing, but we'll have Tom Vial, MX2. He should be good. He just won in Ballon there. We'll touch on that in a moment. So he's coming back to form. He should be up for it. No championship to worry about for him on, on the world world stage. And Marius Basrame, maybe slightly surprising on the 450, just because he has a bit of an, that knee injury at the minute. Although if he can get that get that sorted and ride a wee bit more free with that, he can always go fast. You just don't know if that will be his day or not. But four fifty round month of it probably won't be that easy with those jumps and the and the ruts and stuff that usually come on around month of it with slightly sandy conditions as well. But a fairly strong team for France, probably just not not the A team with no Dylan, no Roman Fevre and Obviously, Maxime Renault and Thibaut Benison aren't, aren't riding either, which would have been good options. But Tom Vial, probably their first choice MX2, you would say, is still there. A solid team, especially with Muskin coming on form. Uh, yeah, the thing is with France, you can never really completely rule them out because at the end of the day, it mattered based on the one with an enduro rider and Christophe Charlier at the time. So it would be foolish to completely rule them out. But I think it does all depend on Barame and what sort of form he can bring in you know it, it'll be his first race in the 450 I do believe he'll be riding a, a factory Kawasaki but he's not going to have a lot of prep time in the bigger bike so it'll all probably come down to how he's feeling and what sort of speed he can bring and if he can keep it in two wheels if he can perform at a high level the you would think they'll probably be on the podium but I do think the win is asking a bit too much this year but you know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. And MX Nation slightly related. Chase Saxon has been tipped to, to ride for the USA, and he said he would want to ride for the USA. He had a big crash in that first moto at, at Unadilla. Rode well to come back. 11th place he got. 
And then a very good ride, second moto for, for second, obviously couldn't hold Ken Roxon off, but no one could. So no disgrace there. And fifth overall for Chase Saxon. For a while, you thought all the, all the contenders for Team USA, for the motocross and nations, were all going to end up injured when Saxon went down in the first one. Plessinger then went down in the first one. Justin Barsha is already injured and ruled out, although they're hoping he'll be back for the last two. So it wasn't looking too good there for a while for Team USA, but they believe they're going to be announced at Bud's Creek this weekend. So hopefully those guys can stay fit, the three that are going to be chosen. RJ Hampshire has been tipped, although it's not a certainty that he will ride MX2. He managed to survive without any crashes at, at Unadilla, bizarrely one of the most technical tracks. So he's hopefully in for that, but we'll wait and see on the final announcements for that. But Chase Action fifth overall, just behind Eli Tomac, who was fourth. And Eli, Eli a good first moto, third place. But again, we have this good moto, bad moto scenario for for the former champion on a seventh in race two. He said he just didn't have the speed in that one. Again, struggled to make passes, find his flow. Tomac still a, a wee bit of a confusing situation throughout this outdoor season. One minute you think he's found his pace, he's going to be there every moto. And the next, he's just kind of a, a top 10 guy, bizarrely. Yeah, just on Chase Saxon. Uh, after that uh, crash in the first moto, the start, I, I wasn't sure if he was even going to finish. So actually to come back up and finish 11th was very good. And then the rebound in the second moto and she was full potential second. Very, very good. And I'd be amazed at this stage if he doesn't get picked for the motocross the nations. I think you can lock him in for sure. He's having a very impressive season, fourth in the championship. I think he just needs to try and win more if possible. He's very consistent, but the next step for him is going to be to win more races and try and grab more overalls. Uh, with Eli Tomac, just to be honest, I think the track in the first moto, it was it was all pretty much ruts. But when it got bumpy and ruddy for the second moto, to be honest, I just thought the track was too technical for him. Eli is really good when the, he, he can flow, he can ride with a lot of aggression, but... You had to have a lot of good throttle control around there and, you know, you had to ride careful. So I don't think he would have been a big fan of the track in the second moto. So not at all surprised to see him not have his A game around there but um, and missing out in the podium. But at the end of the day, he's still third in the championship. And after a really bad start, I don't think he was ever really fully in contention for this title. So that's just a, a subpar Eli Tomac this year. Yeah, and he is still top American in third with Chase Saxon. He's only 13 points behind him to get uh, third overall in the championship, and he's coming on pretty strong. If he hadn't had that crash, it would have been really, really close in the in the points, and Aaron Plessinger would have been there as well, as would Justin Barsha, but obviously Plessinger's lost three motors, essentially, with that mechanical DNF and the, and the incident at Unadilla and Justin Barsha not there. So Tomac, Saxon, Barsha, and Plessinger have all been very close this season, but Eli's more or less consistency, even though he's been a bit inconsistent, ironically. But he's been finishing races and finishing motos in and around the top 10, around the top five, and, and winning the odd one here and there's got him in third. Just pursued mention with Ken Rocks, and he said after that he pr- doesn't look like he's going to be racing the Motocross of Nations at Mantova after all. He had been pretty keen to do it, but with COVID and, and he wasn't sure fans were going to be there, and obviously the commitment it takes to do that race, if, if you've doubt in your mind, it's probably not worth going. And Ken, unfortunately, has decided to, to miss out in this one. It would have been great to see him versus Hurlings again, especially with Ken showing some great form. Maybe the best outdoor form he's, he's had since his injury. That, that would have been fantastic to see him and Hurlings back together racing for the win at Mantova. Unfortunately, that one's not to be, but you can kind of understand on, with his situation, 
he doesn't want to get COVID after all the things he's been through. And maybe with that illness that he had around Washouglis kind of woke him up to probably wouldn't be too wise to maybe get on a plane and, and risk getting getting COVID, especially with an event that so far seems to be a wee bit lost in terms of it's, it's definitely going to happen, which we think it is. But in terms of guys are obviously not riding, Fervis not riding, so it's maybe not the optimum motocross of nations that it usually is. Uh, to be honest, I'm very disappointed in Ken Roxon for not racing this year, to be honest. Uh, in my opinion, AMA riders have no I'd reason not to this like... year. It's two weeks <laughs> after the last national. You know, not really, not really, why not come and race in your country? Germany could have been really good this year as well with Jacoby and Simon Lackenfelder. But, oh well, it's his decision and we'll see who they select now as opposed to Ken Roxon. But it is a shame, if, I do feel, I do feel like the AMA riders if they're allowed to race, should be racing. I do know, I did read an interview with Marcus from HRC and he said they'd be willing to support Roxon if he chose to ride. So a shame, but hopefully he'll come back someday in the near future and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, I think everyone wants to see a, a Roxon Hurlings rematch at some point while they're still both at a, at a very high level in their careers. Back to Unadilla and Cooper Webb, a so-so day for him. Two fifths, decent but not Tremendous performances, probably. Cooper Marvin's probably now went a level ahead of, of what Webb has been riding outdoors. There has I've seen a few people saying they would like to see Cooper on a 250, but I think the likes of RJ Hampshire have a very high pace anyway. And for Cooper to go back on the 250 and try to get settings and all to race a one-off race, I'm not sure he would be any quicker than the likes of RJ who are fully into their programme at the minute as, as things stand. Christian Craig, seventh overall. Decent day for him. That sort of track would probably suit Christian. Pretty technical. And Max Ante, Mans, Anstey, if I can put my teeth in. <laughs> just, just about got it there. <laughs> just don't know why the British, the British name was the most difficult to say. But Max Anstey, eighth overall, really good riding. He didn't quite get the starts. I would like to see him get the starts there in the top five. I think his pace was pretty good. He came from the back a wee bit. Really good ride for Max Anstey on that Suzuki. Don't forget, it's not factory privateer team, essentially taking on the factory riders. So really nice to see him getting back into his form at eighth overall. And it'll be interesting to see if he's going to be a factor in the British Nations team, if he can get a competitive bike sorted for, for riding Mantova. That could be one thing to keep an eye on. That British team is still up in the air. Although you would imagine Ben Watson and Conrad Muse would be favourites for two, two of those three spots. But honestly, probably is maybe the next guy on form. Although Sean Simpson, maybe even Tommy Searle, Adam Sterry. We'll have something to say about that one. Justin Bogle, ninth overall. I don't know what to make of Justin Bogle sometimes. One minute he's completely out of the picture. I know he's had injuries and different things like that. But then the next, he can just go and run a really high pace at a random outdoor race. And he's a lo- lovely style, but so you're not sure what, what's going to happen with, with, with Bogle going forward. Shane McElrath's obviously signed for that team for next year. And... Uh, it might leave Bogle out, out in the cold. Cody Shock, he's had a fantastic year all round on the Honda. Again, not a, not a factory team that affects our Honda squad. Tenth overall, he's been riding really well all year, so big props to him. Dean Wilson, he had to come from the back on one of the motors as well, but 11th overall, he's dealing with uh, Epstein Barr, I think, so he's having to dig deep just to finish these races and then keep going week by week. He's the only representative of Rockstar Husqvarna in the 450 class, so he's having to top this one out. But again, he's hovering around the top 10 under the circumstances. I think that everyone has to be pleased with that, even though it's not an ideal scenario. Anyone else you want to give a give a nod to there, Andy? 
Uh, I thought Ran Surat was quite good. Uh, I think he's on a privateer team as well. So for him to go 12th overall, 14-11, a consistent day out for him, I think he'll be happy. And Chris Canning as well, a rider I can't say I know too much about for to go 14th overall, pretty good day out for him as well. Ryan Surratt, I think his if his dad is Willie Surratt, which I think it might be, Willie Surratt, of course, raised some GPs and I think around 1990. And he was known for being pretty wild and a top rider in America as well before that. So obviously the, the apple doesn't far fall far from the tree there. And Ryan Surratt's a pretty pretty fast rider. But I think maybe even aside from Ket Roxon's amazing performance, the 250 class was was where it was at for, for drama at Unadilla. Justin Cooper rode a brilliant first race, took on Jeremy Martin, took on Jet Lawrence, one, two, three, and Cooper just left them eventually once he got his flow the other two couldn't do anything with him it was up to 11 point lead over jet lawrence and you were thinking this is a big momentum shift cooper's just beat jet straight up it's not just because jet's getting a bad start and cooper was able to win a race under pressure he hasn't won that many motos he's been consistent but he was able to get that moto win home crowd behind him he was loving the fans and then second moto fourth place took the whole shot jet lawrence on fire third to first completely switching around this championship and it's, it's I still don't quite know how Cooper dropped his pace that, that much it was a pretty unbelievable scenario so Jets actually gained 5 points in the championship and now he's only 4 points behind after being 11 behind in the first moto this championship is very much on for Jet Lawrence again and he rode phenomenal in that second moto he said he was feeling the flow pretty much like what Roxon commented he was feeling in, in the 450 class and Jet said he just kept pushing because he was feeling so good and went on to win that, that moto. Big win for him. He hasn't won an overall since the first round. And just when it looked like that momentum was going all just in Cooper's way, that crash at Washougal and that second moto there, you know, Dillas really brought Jet right back into this. And he does. He never has any self-confidence issues, Jet Lawrence. He thinks he's the best rider in that class. And now he's somehow got the momentum despite that first moto win by Justin Cooper. Yeah, so for uh, after for, after the first moto, you know, Justin Cooper would have been feeling good because he beat Jet Lawrence fair and square. Both of them were there at the start. Cooper rode absolutely fantastic. And then I don't know what happened over the break. He was saying he needed to change the bike setup because the track got rougher. But I don't know. This, there was something else wrong. I think to, be, to go from winning and looking amazing to being a minute off the pace. Very, very bizarre. So, but anyway, Jet Lawrence won't, give two hoots about that. He was fantastic and it's hard to believe he hadn't won an overall since I think the first round. So back to winning ways and now there's only four points separating them in the championship. So it should be an exciting end and hopefully it goes all the way down the wire. It'd be an exciting one for the fans. Yeah, yeah it should be. And I thought Jeremy Martin was actually going <clears> to <throat> get in there and maybe win at least win one moto this weekend. He'd been on the rampage coming in but he just couldn't get it done. 3-2 he was kind of on, on their pace, but he, he just couldn't get that extra wee bit to, to win a moto and, and make, make the points a bit closer. He's still quite quite a ways off, 40, 50 points off again. So he is, he's still four rounds to go, but it's going to be difficult now. I think he really needed to win there and get keep that momentum going and start clicking off the points. But it looks like it's going to be difficult for him. He's actually still in fourth in the championship, although saying that he's only one point behind Hunter Lawrence. He didn't have his best day at Udala. So it looks like we really are now Justin Cooper v. Jet Lawrence for this title with Jeremy Martin. He might get in the mix. And unfortunately for Jet, he's a teammate of Justin Cooper. So I wonder if Jeremy 
maybe even in the last round we'll we'll have to, even though he probably won't want to, have to play team orders for Justin Cooper, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening with Jeremy. Like to be honest, I think he'll just go out there and send it, and even if the team told him to, I'm not sure he'd uh, he'd play ball there. But uh, I, I thought I thought Jeremy Martin rode reasonably well. You know, in his head, obviously he still believed he could have won the title, but I think realistically it was always going to be too much of an ask. So for him, only to be a point off Hunter Lawrence now and. If he can get third in the championship, I think he can be happy considering the, with the amount of motos he missed. And yeah, on Hunter Lawrence, not quite sure what, what happened to him in the second moto either, but 11th certainly isn't what he's after. So hopefully he can rebound now this weekend at Bud's Creek. Yeah, I think with Hunter, he had a problem with his front brake. He said it was hitting the caliber. So he didn't quite have his full brake trust there and, and those ruts and on that track with those downhills as well. Probably was the reason, seemed to be the reason he struggled with that one. But there isn't much he can do about that, really. It just, he didn't seem quite to have the pace you would be expecting him to have on that track. Hunter, or Max Voland, fifth overall, I thought he was very, very good. He's getting pretty solid this year. He hasn't had any wild moments, really. Pretty solid, very good day for him. Fifth overall in his, in his rookie season. Very impressed with him, especially on a track like that. But his style is pretty technical. You can see the stuff he can do even on an electric bike and those sound whips on his on his Instagram. And he's a lot of bike control and maybe that sort of track actually suits Max. And also Levi Kitchen. I, I couldn't believe it. Levi has obviously won Loretta's there. He came in for 8th eighth, eighth overall, 12-7. But he's 20 years old. Sort of a coming in there at 20 years old doesn't really leave you a lot of time to sort everything out to try and make a big career in terms of the very elite to go to 450 Supercross. He's going to have to really come out far in next season because by then he's already going to be going to be 21 when everything could kind of wolf at 16 coming in, winning motos in, in the GPs or Jet Lawrence 17 and what he's done. There seems to be a wee bit of a kind of delay that these American riders are really prepared to come out firing in, in, in the pro ranks at the minute, which is a bit strange because we're used to, obviously, Pastrana came in at 16, Stuart was 16, Carmichael 17, and that's just three. And you even have Jet Lawrence, an Australian, who's went via Australia, Europe, GPs, or at least EMX, and American, he was still coming in there real real quick as well. So I'm a wee bit curious as to why Levi Kitchen isn't as only come in at the 20 years old. So it'll be interesting to see what he's I believe and Austin Faulkner came in earlier than that. So he's gonna to have to really hit the ground running. He is fast. You don't get top ten if you're not and you don't win Loretta's if you're not, but he isn't gonna have a lot of time to grow and learn. He's gonna to have to hit the ground running next season. So some somebody to keep an eye on there for for twenty twenty two and the last four rounds of, of this outdoor season. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, Andrew Short had said on our podcast that uh, it's two different worlds and that the young riders in Europe are very, very dedicated. And I think that shows with the EMX championships and, you know, the amateur racing is a a lot higher level than it is in America. You know, you've got riders from all these different countries racing, whereas America, you've got a few big national races of the year that they prioritise. Um, Loretta Lynn's being one of them and uh, many O's so they're the big two that they prioritise and yeah the level just isn't the same but you're right uh, it's quite surprising that Levi Kitchen's 20 now and yeah he's going to have to have a good off season I would say and really hit the ground running next year if he's to make uh, to make it a, to be a future champion possibly but it definitely will be interesting at least he's got the, the best team behind him and It'll be interesting to see how it grows and develops. I myself was actually very impressed with Max Volman at the weekend. 
obviously he's a rookie and he's 11th in the championship. So for him to go fifth overall was definitely a step in the right direction. And that was probably his best match of the year, I would say. So he'll be looking to keep that up at the remaining four rounds. And Ty Masterpool, he was pretty impressive as well. 10th overall on a, on a private gas gas 250. He's a lot of speed as well. Again, like maybe talked about it before. I wouldn't mind seeing him in, in the World Championship because he is a Supercross. Originally, I don't think he was he was actually even going to race Supercross in his career, but I think he's going to try it now. But again, you probably need to be on a Supercross track from your, your mid-teens in America to really make it work. But he's showing his outdoor speed is definitely there even whenever he's not on, on, a, on a top team. Carson Mumford, pretty decent again, 11th overall. He's not on one of the best bikes. Might have actually forgot to talk about RJ Hampshire there. He was doing really well. Couldn't quite run run the pace there that first moto, but I think he had to come from the back. So 4-3 four, four, for RJ. You would think his aggressive style wouldn't really work with the precision that you needed at Unadilla, but it actually worked really well. So fourth overall for him, but 4-3 in the motos. He's kind of turned things around again after that sort of habit of crashing a few times in every single moto for a while there. He's definitely turned things around. So so credit to RJ. And as we say, he's tipped to maybe be one of the riders coming over to, to race Mantova for, for the nation. So it'll be good to see him in action in, in Italy. Angelique Swole, seventh overall for him again, another young rider. He's sometimes really good, sometimes just okay. I think today was or on Saturday he was just okay. But seventh overall, decent for him. Austin Faulkner, he had another big crash in the first moto, but came back, got a sixth. And that's again Faulkner, he's just trying to build momentum, but things just keep going wrong for him, I think. Yeah, well that's it. Mitch Payton's probably gonna be scratching at his head. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. But you would think he's probably have to going to have to try and sign somebody to, you know, to try and get better results next year. Obviously, Joe Shimoda didn't have the best weekend, hurting his hand. But um, he's you know he's going into next season probably the number one rider in that team. And Forkner has to turn this around, and hopefully he can have a strong off season heading into the Supercross season, and we can see the best of Austin Fortner again because talent-wise, he should definitely be up there. Uh, it was interesting with RJ Hampshire, actually. It said after, I think it was after the first moto, could have been after the second moto, but he said he backed it down out there. Maybe that's the right idea, I think. Uh, maybe he should have done that at some of the other rounds, but it shows at least he's learned from those crashes and he's prepared to back it down now if needs be because I think that's a strategy he's needed for a while. So it was nice to see that and for him to keep it in two wheels and have two consistent rides. I thought Preston Kilroy, again, a rider I don't know too much about, but for him to break into the top 10 in the second moto was very, very impressive, I thought. So if he can replicate that at, at the, the remaining rounds of the series, series, he'll be very pleased. I think he's possibly an amateur that's just coming through. Mm. That could be wrong. I think on this is on that Suzuki team. He's probably just coming through. So 12th overall for him. Pretty impressive. And as you said, Mitch Payton, Seth Hambacher actually come back. He's been riding good, but then a, a bad uh, bad second motor there. Things didn't go his way in that one. He's come back quite well outdoors. But once again, the momentum just doesn't seem to be with that team. That The Star Race and Yamaha team are, are by far and away the team everyone now wants to ride for. That's the team young right They're getting good young riders in the amateurs. And then they're going pro. Jet, the Lawrence brothers, Honda have them. So there isn't a lot really of options. Austin Faulkner, I think, was the guy that Peyton had his hopes pinned on. He's not delivering. And it's Joe Schmuda, a guy that wasn't really his first choice. He's really the guy that's bringing 
bringing up the results. Obviously, that hand injury hurt him 16th overall at Unadilla, but he's been, he's been the, the, the shining light for, for Mitch Payton. And I think he should hopefully get even better. He's a pretty precise rider and learn, seems to learn learn pretty quick. But I think that's everything really covered at, at, at Unadilla. Quickly, I want to mention the MX Nationals at Landrec. Harry Kulas rode fantastic, 1-1. Held off Tommy Searle. Tommy Searle put in two blistering laps at the end of that second motor to try and win it and stop Harry clinching that championship. But Kulas rode, rode cool. He said he could see Searle coming. And the track was a wee bit like Unadilla in places. was was quite quite rutted in, in certain scenarios. And also the rain had come down to make it a bit a bit slick. So Kulas said he used his head. He didn't want to risk too much. He had Bobrashev on him early in, in that second moto. And of course, he caught and passed Tommy Searle in Moto 1. So fantastic for him and fantastic for the cab screens present Yamaha team to, to get a title. MX National ticked off for Harry Kulas, who sometimes I feel is a wee bit underrated. I'm not, not really sure why. He kind of goes under the radar, but he can go to GP and go fast. He can ride at the front and win races in the British Championship. And he always usually does pretty good at the, at the Motocross of Nations. So it's nice to see him win that title. And it's coming down to the wire with Tommy Searle and, and Harry for the for the Revo British Championship. So that looks like that could be a very exciting last couple of rounds. Searle and Kulas were going out at Landry. Kulas got the better. But Searle said he was pretty happy with how he was riding. I think he's known he's going to have to up the pace here in the last couple of rounds to win this the Revo British Championship title. And maybe mentally to, for those last couple of laps at Landrec, that'll that'll hold him in good stead for, for the British Championship because he, he put in some final shards there. We're going to have to be a wee bit biased and say what a ride for Stuart Edmonds. He was absolutely flying in the first moto. He's been flying all year, but third was brilliant. And then he was second, running second till he went down in the first lap and came charging through for fifth overall on, on the day. So Edmonds had pace at the front. He had pace coming from the back. And he's had a, maybe one of the best seasons of his career, I think. And also Jason Muir and Martin Barr were battling there at the, the sort of 8th, ninth, 10th positions. Jason's up to his game the last couple of weeks. And for slightly biased position, but our Motocross of Nations squad is, is looking pretty good for this year. Glenn McCormick riding well as well. Yeah, well, I'm quite scared for the Motocross of Nations team. Uh, it's to be announced on Tuesday, I think, so probably on the day this podcast is out. And there is speculation that Jack Sheridan might get picked for MX2. Jack's a good rider, but uh, the way Jason Muir is currently riding, I would be picking him for MX2. And you need Martin Bars, even though he's not having a great season, you need his experience in there and everything he's done for our country of motocross and in, in our country. I think you have to pick Martin Barr and Stuart Evans. Certainly, it's the best first half of the season. He's he's hard in his career and he's and he's got even better since that. He, he usually starts a season pretty slow and then when it hits the halfway mark, he finds his groove. But all season he's been great and I would say that first moto MX Nationals to finish third is possibly the best ride in England he's had in his career. Certainly up there anyway. Yeah, he's had obviously some good rides before running that top three, top five, but he's also had some brilliant motocross of nations. I remember in France, he got a factory team. He was absolutely fan at Chanton d'Angelais. But this was definitely, you have to put, put that right up there. And he, the second race, he showed it wasn't a fluke. He was just absolutely flying all weekend. And as I say, he's been riding great all year. So we'll, we'll wait to see what happens there with the Team Ireland. But there's definitely a strong squad of riders to pick from. Let's hope the, the three top guys actually get to go. MX2 there was again a Yamaha 
a Yamaha win and Jay Hig, he he got a Moto as well. But it's it's difficult for those guys because they're they're trying to work work through the field. You, they do get TV time, of course. Lewis Hall, he finally finally got that win and was riding really well. They were kind of in, in around the top ten, actually kind of in around that speed with, with with Martin Barr there at the bottom of the top ten. So they are going fast, but sometimes you feel like it would be nice for them to get their own own moto victory. But you, it is a very competitive class whenever you put the two together. So it does make for some good exciting battles throughout the field with the way it runs with the mixed classes. So good good for Lewis Hall to get that win. He's been on the periphery quite a lot of hype for Lewis Hall, I feel. And he's starting to to, to make good in that. So that's nice to see. Good day for Yamaha, as I said. And Jay Haig was was going well as well. Anything else there, Andy, you want to add for the for the UK race and the MX Nationals? Yeah, just one thing I would point out is I was actually really excited for the MX Nationals this year because they announced that they were going to have pro racing on Saturday and they have had that this year, which I think has been a very good addition. And that meant uh, two MX1 motos and two MX2 motos before the fastest 40 motos on the Sunday. But they've actually changed that because they've joined forces with the SEU and they've decided to only have pro racing on a Sunday. In my opinion, I think that's a bit disappointing I think fans, especially when they go, they want to see as much pro racing as, as much as possible, really. So, And they'd go for both days to see that. Whereas now, if you're a fan, you're maybe only going to go the Sunday. So maybe missing missing a trick there. But yeah, the racing's been very good this year. And the MX Nationals do a great job with the live streaming and the way they are on their event. So on a whole, it's it's positive that way. And uh, it's, it's nice to see it run successfully. And they also deserve a lot of credit last year for running whenever COVID was at its worst, they decided to run. So fair play to them for that. And yeah, just on Lewis Hall, it's been a long time coming, but finally he's been able to win at this level. You'll be hoping that's the first of many now. Yeah, obviously they're back to the, the two races on the on the Sunday format. So they've dropped that moto. I would mind seeing three shorter races, maybe 20 minutes plus two laps for, for the pro guys on a Sunday to kind of make up for that missing moto on, on the Saturday. But the actual race itself with with both classes mixes, I say, is pretty good. It's, it's pretty deep. And it's in some ways nice to see how the 250 guys go against the 450s. But then you have that caveat of those guys don't actually get to, to take the checkered flag. But there's there's still one one round left of that championship. But obviously, Harry Kulis can breathe, breathe easy and just and enjoy the final round next week. We'll move on now to Ballon and Belgium. And it was a pretty brilliant day for Glenn Coldenhoff. Actually, very deep sand. That track hosted a Grand Prix in 1998. Anybody that remembers that will remember just how brilliant Stefan Everts looked there. A pretty much perfection on a bike around around that sand track at that time. Nobody could get near him, not even Joel Smits, who came down to, to ride a 250 over that event and didn't really get the results he was after. But no one could touch Everts there. And Glenn Coldenhoff, not even Jeffrey Hurlings could touch could touch him here. Pretty impressive two moto wins. Hurling said it was a goggles problem, a bit of crash crashing going on. But in general, it looked it seems to be Coldenhoff just won that straight up. Yeah, very very impressive by Glenn Coldenhoff. Uh, I think in the second moto, Hurlings had a pretty heavy crash and came from last to fourth. Because don't forget they don't have. Uh, the same length of motos in the GP. I think it's 20 minutes plus two laps or something like that. So obviously less time to come from behind. Um, so he could only get up to fourth. But Glenn Kodenhoff was immaculate and he won a fair score, especially in the first moto and the third moto in the super final, sorry. So he'll be looking to bring this form into the MXGP World Championship now after a, f- a-, a few 
not so great rounds for his standards, but if he can ride like that at an MXGP, you know, it's certainly be trying to put it on the podium at least. So fingers crossed for him, he can show his true potential. They've got a, another couple of weeks off now before heading to Turkey for a double header. So still plenty of time for those riders to do work yet. And just on hurlings, if I was him, I don't even think I would have rode that Belgian race. Uh, I think he could have done with just putting the laps in at the practice track and focusing on coming back to Turkey. But in Jeffrey's head, he always needs to be competing to get better. So I can sort of understand why he would decide to do it. Yeah, he maybe want that extra race practice after his injury and not been able to, to get his full training and bike time in. But it looks like he's hitting everything flat out at the minute to get ready to get his A, a game or A star game going going for Turkey. Brand Boogers seemed I thought rode rode well as well at Ballon. But the MX two class interested me, Tom Vial went one one against Yago Gerson. This was Yago Gerson literal home track. He doesn't live too far from from this place and it was deep, deep, deep sand. And Vial Pretty impressive there to, to go 1-1. One, one. Gert said he had arm pump, which he mentioned a wee bit in the GPs before, which is slightly strange. He's still getting that this far into the season. Hopefully that can be resolved for, for the World Championship. But Liam Everts, he was he was the talk of the day, selected for the Motocross of Nations with Iago not wanting, not wanting to do it with the world title on the line. Completely understandable, I think. But Liam Everts drafted in for Belgium. And then he went and put it on the podium at the place where his dad dominated it in 1998, Deep Sand, against the two Grand Prix riders. And he had other pretty tough competition there with Rick Elzinger and a few other elite-level riders. So for, for Liam to go put that on the podium, get picked for Belgium, that has to be a, a pretty ep- epic day in the Everts household. Yeah, firstly, on Yago Gertz, I'm really starting to get worried about this arm pump issue now. You know, throughout his career, I don't ever remember him complaining too much about arm pump. It feels like every GP is getting it at the moment, so I'm not sure what the issue is there. I hope he does get it sorted, and it'll be interesting to see if it continues to happen, if he considers surgery, maybe. Obviously, now would probably be the time to do it with the brick. Turkey would give him time but obviously once Turkey comes there'll not be any time for that so might be the end of the season job if, if, if that if that's the route he decides to go down but it is worrying because you know speed's not the issue for Iago Gertz he's got the speed to win but it must be very frustrating that that's stopping him right to his full potential in, in the motos and uh, yeah Tom Vial looks like he's back to go 1-1 round there track look brutal so for him to, to get the upper hand on Iago with or without on pump is, is positive for Tom Vial. So he'll certainly be looking to win GPs now uh, when the season restarts. And Liam Everts, a uh, bit disappointing that Yago Gertz isn't racing the motocross the nations, but is understandable. I would say Yamaha have probably been the ones to tell him he's not riding, riding whether he wants to or not with, with a GP title on the line. And yeah, so it'll be a nice story to see the third generation in the Everts family racing and for Belgium at the Motocross Nations in Mantova. It's certainly a cool story, if nothing else. And the rest of that team, Jeremy Van Horbeck and Brent Van Donek. Van Horbeck, of course, riding Beta, so it'll be a big stage for Beta to showcase their machinery. And Horbeck always seems to step up at this Nations. And Brent Van Donek, a bit underrated, I think, as well, kind of in that mould of Harry Kulas. He's actually a very solid rider, can put in some pretty rapid motos, even in the Grand Prix at times when everything's going his way. So it isn't the most star-spangled the, the Belgian team, obviously, anyone's ever seen whenever you look back at the Smets Everts Bevorts here and even with, with DeSalle now retired. But a pretty strong team. I think Liam could impress some people around there. He's going quick in AMX2 and we know that. 
is obviously a very competitive class and you're you're knocking on the door of the top 15, top 10 there, MX2 pace. So he should be okay there. He's obviously riding now against Gertz and Vial, so he's getting a bit of a window of insight in, into what that pace is like. I think he'll be okay. And the experience of Jeremy Van Horbeck and Brent Van Donick as well. Could you be a decent team, although it's probably not one that you say is going to challenge for the win? No, well, what I would say is with Belgium, I think Brent Van Donick and Jeremy Van Horbeek would have went regardless. So it's not a complete B team. It's only the MX2 slot where they couldn't have their first choice. So it's it's not quite as bad as France where, you know, if they could send their A team, you know, Musquin or Barami probably wouldn't be picked. So they're not quite in a bad situation as France are because two of them that are selected are probably in the strongest team anyway. So looking at it that way isn't too bad. And, It'll be a good experience for Liam. Uh, he'll get to go plenty of times in the future, I'd imagine, because the way the sport's going in Belgium, there's not too much talent coming up there. So it'll be good for his experience. He'll know what to expect the next time when he's selected. It reminds me a bit like Brent, actually, whenever he was first selected. Uh, must be four or five years ago now. He got asked to ride the 450. But, and even though he didn't have a great day himself, you know, uh, this will be his second time riding it now, so he'll know what to expect. Yeah, and Belgium... Maybe a bit of a slight lull at the minute, but give them three or four years, they're going to have Gertz, Everts, the Cohen brothers, and maybe Marnik Bavortz's son all coming up as well. So the young guys are starting to come through now, so not give them another two or three years to develop. And they actually could have a pretty strong team, podium podium level Disney's team again. But I think this year for all three riders, because you don't have that prospect of winning and maybe even a podium is isn't there isn't the realistic target they're going to be able to go there just enjoy it and ride ride with zero pressure and obviously for the average family it's going to be amazing yeah exactly you know they can just go there and pretty much treat it as a gp because we all know van horbeek's developing a bike guts his main job this year so and they've actually been struggling in the sand quite a bit so he can do a bit of sand riding heading into Mantova and then use that race as more testing for the better and get it up the standard in the sand. And Brent will just treat it like a normal race, really. You know, th- this guy was racing British Championships last year. So for him to be a full-time GP rider now and get picked to represent Belgium, he's came quite a long way in the last 12 months and it was and this season was going very good for him before the, the rib injury. So, But hopefully he can be 100% very soon and we can see him ride it to his full potential. Yep, we'll be interested to see how Team Belgium get on. But I think that's everything we'll have to cover this week. Next week, we'll be back with more AMA chat and, of course, the US Motocross of Nations team discussion. But, Andy, thanks for your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please follow, subscribe, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.